0: Hi there, this is Michelle with Pell, Parents of Addicted Loved Ones. I am speaking to you today from cloudy, gray skies, snowy skies in north central Indiana. And when I create these podcasts, I go to the place where there's the least distraction and where I can focus the most and where there is no echo. This is funny. I come to you from my closet. <laughs> I call myself the closet podcaster, right? Anyway, it's um, it's a great place to be when I have a message and I want to stay focused. Maybe someday I'll have my own little studio, but for today my message is coming to you from my closet. I'm such a closet case. I hope that you're doing well today. I pray that you are. This summer our son and daughter-in-law were really sick and we could see them, visibly see that they were using. But we had their children, their grandkids, so we knew the grandkids were safe. And it was our way to separate and let them, our son and daughter-in-law, find their way on their own without us. We had, we had severed all, most all helping devices that we had used for years. And it was hard. It was so hard to see them because they looked so frail, they were thin. They looked sick. They looked so sick that it was too too hard for me sometimes to even be near them. As an empath, um, when I'm around people that are really struggling, I kind of absorb their energy and I just couldn't breathe when I was around them. It was really, really difficult. And at one point, our son lost his job and our daughter-in-law wasn't working. And we knew, we couldn't figure out how they were surviving. And I texted our son and I said, do you have groceries to eat? And he texted back, very limited. So we, I took the girls to church and afterward we went to the grocery store and we loaded up with groceries and we dropped the groceries off at their parents' home. And when I got home and told my husband what I had done, he was so angry at me. He was so angry at me. He said, they are making the choices. They are making the choices to spend their money in unwise ways and because they have lost their jobs or can't work it's because they're sick it's because they're using and you're enabling them and it was really really hard because in one way I knew he was right I knew that I should have talked to him about what I was going to do before I did it But there was a part of me that felt so much compassion, and would I be teaching the girls the right thing if I helped them to see that you can be compassionate and help people who need help? Now, I can't tell you what's right for you. You may have done this, and maybe you're doing it now. Maybe... Maybe you think there's nothing wrong in that. I'm not here to judge where you are with this. But what I what I do want to recommend is having a family plan. So after that, and, and when I found Pell, this support group, they recommend forming a family plan. So my husband and I sat down and we defined what we would do to help and what we wouldn't and what that looked like. And together, we talked to the girls about it too. Um, not, We didn't tell them any more than they needed to know, but we shared where we were coming from so that the whole family was on the same page. Because if we continue to do for others what they can do for themselves, we enable them. And it's kind of like we're saying we don't believe that they're capable and so we take it away and we do it for them. And it doesn't really help. At least for us, in, in our family, we decided that we weren't going to do that again. I'm not saying it was easy. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, it, but for us, we knew that we had to have a plan on the front end so that we knew together how to stick to our plan and why we were implementing the boundaries that we were implementing. One of my good friends, uh, I'm a John Maxwell team member. I don't know if you know who John Maxwell is, but he's a leadership guru, number one leadership guru, probably in the last seven or eight years. He's written hundreds of books, sold millions of copies, and One of the reasons I joined the John Maxwell team is because I wanted to be able to influence people better and decided to go learn with his team and be a part of his team. And part of that was hiring a coach. I hired a coach to help me on my journey. And she, Trudy, has been amazing. She's been such a gift to me. Today, she sent me something that was so profound, I needed to share it with you. She knows what I'm doing right now as far as, you know, the podcast and bringing you encouragement and support, parents helping parents through this difficult time of addiction. And so she sent me this, this little blurb here that I want to read with you, read to you and share with you because I'm hoping that it will empower you and inspire you like it did me and the title is called who is your Jonah when Jonah boarded a ship going in the opposite direction to God's will the crew discovered there's a high price to pay for allowing the wrong person into your life so what's the point it's this God hasn't authorized you to be somebody else's support system especially if they're running from him and using you to do it. With Jesus on board, you'll make it through any storm. But when you allow Jonah on board, he'll turn your life upside down. And before it's over, you'll risk losing everything. Do you seriously think you can fix your Noah? No. Quote, the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah." Sometimes the best thing you can do for someone is to wake them up and throw them overboard. As long as you keep rescuing them, you get in God's way. It's pride that makes us think we can do what only God can do. Look at Jonah. While the crew was desperately throwing stuff overboard, he was sleeping. He didn't want to be corrected. He wanted to be comfortable. Do you know someone like that? The reason they haven't changed is because they're not ready to. Jonah was so stubborn that he stayed in the belly of the huge fish for three days before he prayed. If that had been you, the moment you spotted Jaws, you'd have been on your knees calling on God, right? This may be hard to hear, but sometimes the best thing you can do for your Jonah and yourself is is to throw them overboard and let God rescue them. Wow, wasn't that good? I thought it was so appropriate for what we're trying to do. As parents of addicted loved ones, we can't help them through their journey. They've got to do it on their own. And this just was another reminder. I love that part. As long as we keep rescuing them, we get in God's way. Okay. (laughs) Many of you have probably heard, let go and let God. And maybe this is a way to help us cope, right? Maybe this is a way that we can not buy them groceries and not pay for their gas and not pay for their rent. Because when we do that, we're teaching them. They can't do it on their own. We're teaching them to rely on us. And who should they rely on? God, right? God, themselves. Trust themselves. And as long as we continue to do for them, they will resist changing. I hope that you have found some hope and meaning in today's podcast. If you're looking for more encouragement and you maybe want to be a facilitator, you can go to palgroup.org where there are lots of resources and people to connect with. But today, by helping you, I'm helping myself. This is all very uplifting and encouraging to me when I can share what I'm learning with you. And I pray that you welcome that. And hopefully soon I'm going to start interviewing some awesome people. I have some great, great stories to share with you just as soon as I figure out how to conduct an interview on a podcast it's the technological stuff that kind of trips me up. But as I say, I don't know how to do it yet. Yet. Small word, very powerful. What is it you want to do that you don't know how to do yet? Go out and learn. And God bless.